Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. From CNN Audio, this is The Assignment. I'm Audie Cornish. For the first time in more than six years, Chinese President Xi Jinping will soon be in the United States. He's expected to meet with President Joe Biden this week. You know, whenever the leaders of the U.S. and China get in a room together, it's going to be a big deal. That's especially true now as this key alliance tries to basically rekindle its coldest relations in decades. And despite the diplomacy and handshakes to come, CNN's Donny O'Sullivan reports that the Chinese government is actually engaged in a massive disinformation effort and that it's affecting U.S. citizens right here. So this is how Donny began his report last night on Aaron Burnett out front. I feel really, really afraid. They use hateful words or threatening words. They will make life very uncomfortable for those who speak ill of China. They are here on American soil thousands of miles from Beijing, but still being hounded and harassed by the Chinese government. We wanted to know a little bit more, so Doni is bringing his assignment to us. Welcome to the show, Doni. Thank you, Ari. So I want to get into the details of what we just heard, but first I just need like a tiny bit of a glossary. What is the difference between disinformation, misinformation, Like, I feel like this stuff has gotten a little confusing in the last few years. Right. Yeah. So misinformation is, you know, if you or I share a piece of false information that we don't know it's false, right? We're just passing it along. You know, we're sharing conspiracy theory without really realizing that it is false. Disinformation is false information that has been created with the intention to deceive. So, you know, that can be a political campaign that is trying to push some kind of lie. uh, Or, as we've kind of seen in this case, it can be a nation state actor, a government that is trying to push uh, false information or propaganda. And that's really important because I feel like after 2016, that was like a big wake up call. And the focus was on Russia and sort of its activities online. Yeah. And I mean, the beat I work on at CNN, which is essentially covering this phenomena of myths and disinformation and online hate and deep fakes and bots and trolls, uh, really all the fun stuff. I mean, that as, as a beat really emerged after 2016, which people might remember. That's when we had the kind of Russian trolls. All this stuff came out that, you know, a pretty sophisticated effort on the part of the Russian government uh, to set up fake groups on social media, uh, fake Black Lives Matter groups, fake right-wing groups, all just trying to really trying to stoke uh, division here. So all of that kind of emerged since 2016. And since then, there's reporters like me, but also independent researchers and even at the companies themselves, like at Facebook, which is now called Meta, uh, they have special teams in place uh, who are trying to root out this sort of thing. So that brings us to China and what you found in your reporting. And one of the primary sources for your piece is actually a a journalist, a staff writer at The New Yorker. She was born in China. She's lived in the U.S. since she was a little girl. 
But she found herself essentially targeted online by the Chinese government. So first, give us a sense, like, why? Yes. So Ji Youngfan is a reporter with The New Yorker. She is of Chinese descent. She's an American. She grew up here in in the United States. Uh, She was covering pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong a few years ago. And after that, she began getting just so many vile messages on social media attacking her, uh, you know, accusing her of being a traitor to China, all these various things. Lots of us are more familiar with the idea that being targeted online for harassment can be overwhelming, can be scary. I can't imagine it happening with the support of a government. (laughs) You know, like, what was the volume of it? What was she dealing with? Yeah, it was totally overwhelming. Basically, it was any time that she opened up her phone, any of her social media apps, there were all these extremely personal messages attacking her, you know, attacking her family, threatening her, telling her she should die. Uh, One researcher we spoke to looked at just a hashtag that called her a traitor, and it had been shared more than 10,000 times. So there was more than 10,000 tweets just calling her a traitor. And, you know, again, I think people can say, well, couldn't you ignore this or just move on. But I mean, if it's coming into your email and to every social media platform, also if you're a journalist and you need to use these platforms to report, it's extremely difficult. And doxing, false identities. I mean, it it really, like anybody who's ever had their identity mess with online or things like that, know how disruptive it can be. And I'm wondering how much do we know the, the Chinese government is pouring into these kinds of efforts? Yeah, so Ji Young Fan always presumed and suspected that the Chinese government had some kind of hand in this, given just the volume and the sheer intensity of how much trolling and harassment was happening here. Uh, But it's really only been these past few months, thanks to a number of reports and also some indictments from the U.S. Department of Justice, that the link has really been made clear here, specifically to police officers in China uh, who are allegedly behind a lot of this campaign. In 2018, some researchers came across hundreds, thousands of accounts that were kind of posting uh, pro-China messages over and over and over again. And they figured that all these accounts were working together, were being run by the same people. But they saw that the accounts were pretty spammy, you know, that they weren't really getting much engagement, that they were just kind of posting the same message over and over and over again. So the guys decided to call it spam and camouflage in that they were trying to uh, hide their links back to China, but not so well. So spamouflage was born. One of the things I want to understand is what's the incentive for any government to do this? Is this just about China squashing dissent that happens beyond its shores? Is there something greater at stake? Like, what's the incentive here? Mm. Yeah, I I think, you know, what we're seeing in this case and and from talking to a lot of experts who've been monitoring this thing is, I mean, this is a way of, you know, extending that censorship, that control that China has within its own country uh, beyond its borders. And, you know, this spamouflage campaign, which has groups have been following for quite a few years. It has only been the past six months or so where both Meta, who has big teams working on this, and also the Department of Justice, they were able to say, spamifage these accounts that experts have been tracking for years, tens of thousands of accounts. Yes, they are actually linked not only to the Chinese government, but specifically to police officers in China. And 
a US federal indictment which was released earlier this year actually put uh, faces to some of these trolls. Uh, in this case, the US government exposed, I think, 34 police officers in Beijing whose job it is, uh, allegedly, to go into the office every day, clock in and clock out uh, in central Beijing, not to patrol the streets, but to go troll. While this stuff might not be making headlines, it might not be you know, necessarily changing geopolitics, this campaign is pretty effective at really intimidating and you know, striking fear in people who live in the United States who might either be critical of China or be perceived by China as being critical of them. And so we spoke to two Chinese dissidents who live here in the United States, uh, both of whom are vocal opponents of the Chinese Communist Party, and and they are essentially pro-democracy advocates, campaigners here now in the United States. Uh, But then also, of course, there was the journalist uh, Ji Young Fan from The New Yorker, who is not a dissident or campaigner or a protester. She's merely a, a journalist doing her job. I'm talking with CNN's Doni O'Sullivan. We'll be back in a minute. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number Smart Beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support, your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number Smart Beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Apollo, the, the god of music, was also the god of medicine, right? So there, there's been a long time link between music and, and sound and health. That is my favorite fact of the month. <laughs> Apollo, the god of music, was also the god of medicine. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Let's explore the world we're living in every weekday with On Point from WBUR, Boston's NPR. Find and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. I'm back with CNN's Tony O'Sullivan, and he's here with a report about the world's largest known online disinformation operation sponsored by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, I want to talk about another Chinese dissident that you spoke to based in New York, Zhen Pokong. And he actually encountered this during a Zoom meeting, of all things. Um, but tell me a little bit about his dissident work and how he realized he was now a target. Yeah, Chen Pokong has just a fascinating story. He was uh, part of the broader student movement that kind of emerged out of the Tiananmen Square in, in the 80s. You know, he spent five years in prison and in labor camps in China because of his pro-democracy work uh, before he eventually came to the U.S. Since then, he's been here in New York City. He is a, a, a pro-democracy campaigner. He's an American citizen. And, you know, a lot of the work he's doing as a dissident here is speaking out and, and wants to tell the world 
what is happening in China and also wants to try and get the message back to people in China to try and spread the democracy message. So obviously as part of that, uh, you know, he, he organizes events uh, for pro-democracy advocates in, in the United States. Obviously during COVID, a lot of that stuff stopped. They eventually moved uh, some meetings to Zoom. And in January 2021, so really at the kind of height of COVID, um, Chen Po Kong uh, organized a pro-democracy China summit online on Zoom where he and other activists would meet and, and discuss these things. Uh, they started the Zoom call pretty soon after it began. People who were not invited to the event or who should not have been in the call uh, basically crashed it and eventually they shut down the call. It turns out the people who did that weren't just some anonymous trolls, you know, weren't some teenagers in their bedroom. They, according to the U.S. Department of Justice, were these Chinese police officers. And, you know, Chen Pong Kong said to us when, when he realized that, and as we spoke to him, he said, That time I was myself even shocked. I said, what? The CCP don't even allow us to have a meeting, overseas meeting. We are Chinese dissidents. But we are also, like me, American citizen. So they attack me, attack our meeting, means they attack the United States. He was shocked. Even, even he, as somebody who had been incarcerated uh, by China for his pro-democracy work, he was even shocked that, wow, the Chinese government is even trying to stop me, a U.S. citizen in the United States, from organizing an online meeting. And I think that just really kind of speaks to the level of just how far the tentacles of, of this kind of campaign goes and the level of, you know, quashing of any dissent outside of Chinese borders that could be critical of the government. So the U.S. State Department sees this as an issue beyond just what's happening with these dissidents, right? In September, they issued a report. It was called, like, How the People's Republic of China Seeks to Reshape the Global Information Environment. Mm. What did that report indicate that kind of makes sense, given your reporting now? Yeah, so the State Department has a unit called the Global Engagement Center, and basically what it looks at is information operations outside of the U.S., uh, and in September, it released a pretty detailed report just outlining how vast China's efforts in terms of trying to uh, improve its image or quash um, any criticisms of it have spread out across the world. So there's these kind of covert, semi-covert trolling campaigns that seek to kind of intimidate and, and threaten people. But then also there's, you know, a very big infrastructure of Chinese state media that now has, uh, you know, many international outlets that are leveraging social media to really push their message there. And so what the State Department is saying is that basically China, through its media machine here, is trying to take away maybe the influence that the United States might have or to knock the United States off uh, that pedestal. It's interesting because we're in a moment where politically, especially I think um, Republicans have talked really strongly about China and its influence. I think the biggest, most obvious fight to most people is over TikTok. Hmm. But sometimes there is this accusation that they're just kind of going after China kind of randomly. But it, it sounds like you're saying that there is truth to the idea that there is a threat yeah, in the online sphere anyway. Yes. And I mean, I think two things can be 
true at once here. One is that there is a real threat and there is a lot of sophistication here uh, on the part of the Chinese government in terms of trying to push and mold messaging, but also that calls from lawmakers in the US and around the world to crack down in China can sometimes be motivated by uh, different factors, whether that be prejudice or anything else. But there certainly is a very sophisticated machine at work here. Like all these things, it it is very difficult to quantify or to measure um, specifically how effective these things can be. You know, obviously on on the micro level, which is what we kind of try to look at here with the people living in the United States, I mean, that is having a big toll on their personal lives. Some, they live in fear. Uh, in the case of Jiang Fan, she essentially said that she just doesn't engage much on social media anymore, which, again, as a journalist and as an American citizen, you know, you're supposed to have that right to be able to engage in, in what is now the marketplace of ideas on the internet. So essentially to be driven out of there because of harassment, you know, is, is a real attack on the civil liberties of an American. It's also happening in this moment where, as you know, we just talked about, there is an active conversation about China and U.S. relations. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to see having that conversation or dialogue when there's manipulation, right? Like, how can you know what you're looking at is like a good faith critique, right? Or the work of meddling. Yeah, that is actually the whole purpose of these campaigns, right? It is to muddy the waters in such a way that it's difficult to know where the truth begins and ends. And we've kind of seen that even domestically within the United States when it comes to, you know, people who are pushing election lies here. It's not necessarily always to convince people that the election is stolen. It's to create enough doubt in people's minds that it's difficult to know what to believe. Which is pretty easy in an era when we're all pretty wobbly, frankly. <laughs> we, 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 are very, we are very wobbly. All right. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about this visit with President Xi and President Biden in San Francisco. What are you going to be listening for coming out of that? I mean, one thing that is also in our story that Darren Linville, who's a media forensics professor at Clemson University, told us is, you know, unlike Russia... China has always focused mostly in this information space on issues that are directly tied to China, coming after the Chinese dissidents. It's coming after reporters who might report critically on China. You know, it's swarming the mentions and comments of anybody who writes something negative about China. Russia, on the other hand, you know, as we saw with 2016, they were more about kind of stoking divisions within the U.S. You know, nobody even needed to mention Russia. They were just trying to stir the pot here. Uh, What experts have now told us is they believe that China seems to be experimenting and more just trying to push buttons in that U.S. domestic space. So that is something I know that experts, I know that the social media platforms are watching very, very closely as we go into 2024. Well, Doni, thanks so much for sharing your reporting. I hope you can come back, especially during the election. Thank you, Audie. And you can check out Doni's report. It's called China is Using the World's Largest Known Online Disinformation Operation to Harass Americans. Now, this episode of The Assignment, a production of CNN Audio, was produced by Dan Bloom. The senior producer of our show is Matt Martinez. Dan Dezula is our technical director. And the executive producer of CNN Audio is Steve Lichtai. As always, special thanks to Katie Hinman. Thank you for listening. I'm Audie Cornish. 
Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. 